All right. Welcome in, folks. I'm Jake Ellenbogen, and today we have episode 14 of Rams Edge. I'm joined by my guy from downtown Rams, Blaine Grisek. How we doing, Blaine? You're on mute, by the way. <laughs> oh, let me see if I can add you here. Oh, I, I guess I can do that. Let's see. Sorry, I accidentally left the room instead of instead of un, un, instead of unmuting myself. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, my technological incompetence aside, uh, doing great. You know, Rams uh, extend both Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, so uh, you know, feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah, you know, um, I, it, it's funny. I think we were just talking about the other day how like dead this off season has been, and in typical Rams fashion, you get the Aaron Donald deal. You get Traven Howard getting waived and then Cooper Cup getting signed. And it's just like bang, bang, bang right off the bat. Yeah, you uh, know, it'd be nice if the Rams could spread these things out a little bit, you know. Let us uh, <laughs> enjoy one thing in one new cycle, another thing in another new cycle, and then another thing in the next new cycle. But no, they, they do things uh, pretty quickly, I guess. No, I, I totally agree. And. Looking at this deal, and Logan uh, is trying to call in, so I'll bring him on um, after this, uh, you know, intro bit. But look at this deal, Blaine. What were your immediate reactions? Because for me, I'm just thinking, you know, this is a lot less than what Tyreek Hill's getting paid. And are we sure Tyreek Hill is that much better than Cooper Cup? I don't think he is better. And so I, I think the Rams, and I think you sent me a tweet that was kind of similar to this, the Rams are just lucky that they got Cooper Cup because this guy is not a prototypical wide receiver in a sense of, you know, wanting to make the most uh, for his position. Uh, no, um, I think you're, you're spot on. I think I was reading he's still only the sixth highest paid wide receiver. And I think if you, I think if you had to list the wide receivers, uh, Cooper Cup would probably at the very least be in the top five, if not the top three. So, um, I mean, if you look at other guys who are probably going to get paid here pretty soon, um, you know, Justin Jefferson will be coming up, a few other a few other guys. You know, they're, they're probably get, get, they're, they'll probably end up getting more than Cooper Cup. So, you know, just kind of push Cooper Cup's deal down a little bit and just kind of make, make that deal a lot more better than what it already is. And, um, I mean, and the Rams didn't slight Cooper Cup at all. He, he's, he's, he signed an $80 million extension, got $75 million of that guaranteed, and that seventy-five million dollars guaranteed, I think, is the most for a non, um, for I think a wide receiver in NFL history. So the Rams still made him the highest, pay, highest paid something. So um, they didn't slide him up by any means, and I think both both parties are pretty happy. Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford are locked up until twenty twenty six. So you got to be pretty excited about that. Exactly, and I mean, you know me, uh, I've been throwing a wor- the the D word around dynasty. And uh, this is a step in that right direction, I think. If if you're really trying to, you know, vie, and I think you tweeted it the other day, you know, the Patriots dynasty, I don't know if we'll see anything like it ever again. Um, but I think the Rams right now are in the the mix to potentially be the closest thing we've seen since the Patriots dynasty. So that's that's certainly the hope, and I think this, this signing um, – you know, just them going out and making sure that these guys are locked up, you know, that is the step in the right direction I was hoping that they would take. 
Yeah, no, they they get their core guys locked up. I mean, I, I think it all starts. I think we saw last year. It kind of all starts with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, and those guys are locked up. And um, you just kind of add pieces around them. You know, you get you get Allen Robinson. You get. Um, you know, Ernest Jones and Bobby Wagner behind Aaron Donald. You have Jalen Ramsey still. Um, as long as you put pieces around those core, those core, um, core players, uh, the Rams be in good shape. No, I absolutely agree. And you know, kind of just looking at the multi-year breakdown, um, you know, in 2026, you know, the the Rams. I mean, they're going to have those players like we talked about. They're going to have Stafford. They're going to have Cooper Cup. And you know, I think that's obviously very important. Um, but you know, 2025, uh, Jalen Ramsey, that's his last year. So I wouldn't be surprised at some point down that road, you know, we look at a Jalen Ramsey reworked deal, but the Rams have basically told us Donald cup Stafford and Ramsey are the core four. And I think, you know, they definitely picked the right four. Exactly. And I think kind of an underrated part of this deal too, is like, like you said, um, Cooper Cup's making less than Tyreek Hill. I think uh, Matthew Stafford's cap number is pretty low this year. Aaron Donald's cap number, I believe, is, is also relatively low. So the, the, the Rams are kind of they're opening up cap space to give themselves self, some flexibility. You know, like OBJ still hasn't resigned. And I, we, we've heard guys like um, Cup and McVay over the last week say they'd love to have OBJ back. And I know OBJ would like to be back. So it gives them flexibility to bring, bring him back when he's ready. Um, it gives them flexibility to, you know, if they need an edge rusher in the middle of the season, maybe maybe trying to trade for Robert Quinn or something like that midseason. It, it gives them flexibility to do stuff, and that's um, that, that's, a, that's a really great thing. And it's just a, it's a team that kind of understands its window, and I, I don't think you see that with a lot of other front offices. No, you just don't. Um, you know, you're absolutely right there. You, you just don't see that very often. I think the Rams have just the, – their desire to explore – you know, not just live between the lines, try to explore past them. And I think, you know, their desire to explore what they can do and push the envelope has allowed them to do things like this and make deals like this. Um, we do have a caller here, Logan. I'm going to bring him in here, um, try to get his thoughts. Cause I mean, Blaine, you and I wanted to celebrate when cup got signed. Um, not anything against Aaron Donald, of course, but you know, Cooper cup, the thing that isn't being talked about enough is those are three years being added onto his deal. That is huge for the Rams. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Donald's deal is great. He gets his pay raise, and um, he was he was threatening retirement. So I guess it, it kind of is like a three year extension if he were to have retired. But this is a legit three year extension, and um, yeah, it's just it's just it's, the Rams, Rams fans should be Rams fans should be very happy about this deal. And now we have our Rams fan here, Logan. Uh, you're on mute, so if you'd like to, there you go. Yeah, I, I was just waiting. Yeah, I know you guys had final thoughts, and so I'll just let you wrap up real quick. Oh yeah, no, of course. Well, appreciate you joining Rams Edge as always, man. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm doing well. I'm doing great. These past 48 hours, uh, been cloud nine. It seems like you know, <laughs> just just chilling. <laughs> So, what were your uh, your overall thoughts on uh, you know Cooper Cup? I mean, if one of the biggest steals of this free agency, on it, I mean, like we got him for the next three years in total, it's gonna be like 112 million for him with that first contract, the second contract that we gave him after his rookie one, and then this one, and then I think it was Blaine saying that it was less than Tyreek. 
Tyreek Hill or might have been a mix of both of you. Like, we got the best wide receiver in the league for a fraction of the price of the most expensive wide receiver in the league. So, you know, I am loved every second of that move. I agree. And, you know, Blaine, I want to bounce this off you because I've heard people say, well, you know, Cooper Cup, it's hard to get excited about because, you know, he's older. And it's like, I I feel like even though, you know, it's nice to have youth, I feel like it's lost on people how Cooper Cup's only 28, by the way. So he's going to be 33 when this deal ends. And that's also really, like, not a bad thing. You know, it like, being 33 at wide receiver is not old. I mean, that's just right out of your prime. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think that's a little bit overblown as well. Um, I think that um, I think that it's just yeah. I think it's overblown. I, th- I think I think the way that these players take care of these, their bodies nowadays is just. I think you can expect players to play more into their thirties, and um, I mean we see we see Tom Brady at forty five, and no, not everybody is Tom Brady, but I think you are also seeing it across other sports leagues as well. Just players playing longer and taking care of their bodies better. And I think if if there's a guy that can play at a high level into his early thirties, it's it's it's, it's going to be Cooper Cup. I mean, he's not the Rams didn't sign him to extension until he's thirty eight. He'll be thirty three. Like it's, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's right right at the end of end of his prime. So. It, it kind of lines up perfectly, and um, I, I, I do want to kind of bounce, kind of like build off something that Logan said, and he said, you know, this this sign is probably one of the better moves of free agency, and I think when you know analysts talk about the Rams, they talk about them, and as these big these big time spenders on free agents, you know, going out and trading for these big time stars, and you know, the, these two extensions of the last forty eight hours, these are two guys that the Rams drafted. You know, I, I just don't think that um, Busty kind of gets enough credit for finding these guys when he did. And um, I think, I think that that can't be talked about enough. Also building off of what Blaine said, when it comes with age and stuff, there's really only two positions that age like truly matters in my opinion. One of them being running back. Like obviously you, there's not old running backs, but also I would say secondary positions because these new faster, more like bigger build wide receivers, you can have an old wide receiver play up on a, corner in his prime and still do fine but if an old corner is playing up on a I mean could be like a renaissance year for that guy whoever it is but if he's playing up on one of the best wide receivers in the league he's gonna get cooked every single time so you know wide receiver wise I mean we saw Larry Fitzgerald play till he was like what 36 37 like and he was still doing just fine yeah I think you know instantly that comes to mind is probably AJ Green and he's been through so many injuries. I don't think it's the age, you know. I think it's just the injuries he's gone through, and the age has obviously affected that. But yeah, I'm not really worried about age. Um, you know, I think, like you said, the the running back position is definitely one where, you know, I mean, it, it's just, there's so much data to support it, and I know Blaine knows because I mean he shared so much of it with me. But there's so much data to support that running backs that are coming off things like torn Achilles and running backs, they hit 30. There's so many different sets of data and analysis to support that those running backs tend to fall off quicker than others. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It's just, I, I, I think, I think like Logan was saying, you know, I just, I think when it comes to the wide receiver position, you, you, you do see guys starting to play a little bit longer. I mean, um, Anquan Bolden played, 
you know, into his mid thirties. Larry Fitzgerald did. These guys, these guys are just taking such good care, such good care of their bodies now. I don't think age is a huge, um, a huge worry. And um, and the Rams take good, take such good care of their players as well. Where I, I'm not concerned at all, really. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, to, to have Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, I think, locked up for the next four or five years now, it's just, um, it's great. They'll, 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 they'll be able to enjoy breakfast together um, before practices uh, now for the next five years. So, Yeah, well, you know, definitely don't want to get involved, uh, get in between that. But, you know, at some point or another, I'm really curious with Allen Robinson um, because, you know, he signed a three-year deal. And, I mean, he's also, you know, pretty young. So, I mean... Like, if he breaks out this year, I could see him getting an extension as well. I mean, they've done it before. They've double-dipped on extensions at wide receiver with Woods and Cup. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, in terms of Allen Robinson, I guess, you know, let's let's see how he does this year. And um, and I, I think if he has a good two years, I could see them adding another year or two on for sure. Um, but I think you also look at, you know, they have Van Jefferson, and he's he'll be coming into a big a big third year. He had he had a really good last year, and I and I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe hit over a thousand yards this year and kind of kind of get into a bigger role now that uh, Robert Woods is gone. Um, and then, I mean, I, I know Rams fans don't want to hear about him, but two two Atwell is also on the roster too, and he was taken in the second round, and he'll also be someone that's uh, that, that they'll be looking to develop. So the Rams, the Rams have some really good uh, young wide receivers and. I mean, if they're going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. too, you know, who, who, who knows what his future is with, with, with the Rams. So um, there's, a, there's a, lot, a lot of guys there. It sounds Personally, like you're saying that they're going to be a pest for a long time. <laughs> Personally, I think the Rams would extend Van Jefferson before they would extend Allen Robinson just because I feel like they like those in-house guys just a little bit more. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Allen Robinson has a good year this year. I could see it. I would think they would wait an extra year um, just with, like, the circumstance of you've got Van Jefferson, you've got Tuzu Atwell. Um, you know, yes. if Ben Skronik somehow breaks out, like, insane, then sure, you can add him in. That makes – I don't think he will, but optimistic thinking. Um, you know, I just don't feel like – I think if – depending on if we re-sign Odell and how long it is, I would say – Wider, extending a wide receiver out of you know Tutu Atwell, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, I think it's going to come down to who has more experience in the offense and which role fits better. And I think maybe it would go to Van Jefferson depending on how Jacob Harris kind of matures because really Allen Robinson can teach Jacob Harris that 50-50 ball because that's kind of why they drafted him in the first place, you know. If he doesn't do well at Ted A, go to wide receiver. If he goes, you know, just however the cards fall, I think they're going to favor those in-house guys just a little bit more than they would uh, Allen Robinson. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, and I think I think people have got to get ready for Tutu Atwell, too. You know, Blaine mentioned it. He's written about it. You know, Atwell's not going anywhere. Second-round pick, and, you know, i got to say um, – you know, since he was drafted, because obviously, you know, everyone knows kind of 
it didn't go viral, but people passed it around that reaction I had to the pick. Uh, just, you know, kind of looking dumbfounded and, you know, my tweet that I had him as a sixth round grade or whatever. And, you know, I just kind of feel like after I went back and I watched the tape, like after the draft, because I only watched three games of every player I scout and, uh, you know, when I can. And then, you know, afterwards I watch as many as I can. Um, and so I watched like 10 or more games of that well. And I just feel like he's somebody that was held back by the quarterback play, or, you know, at Louisville. Malik Cunningham, his uh, second to last year, wasn't bad. His last year, though, Malik Cunningham's play took a freaking dive off a cliff. I mean, it was bad. And so because of that, Tutu Atwell had a lot of production that was just left out on the field. And so I think, you know, now he's got Stafford. Uh, He didn't get any opportunity to roll with the offense last year. So I don't think it's really fair to say that he's a bust. Uh, just because, you know, he got hurt on special teams. He basically wasn't a returner uh, coming out of college. You know, I think people kind of just expected him to be that guy. Uh, And then when Brandon Powell started, uh, you know, playing extremely well and, you know, took over that role after the injury, I think people just kind of like gave up on Atwell. But Atwell is more than a returner. And, you know, a thing that I see a lot is his comparison to Tavon Austin, and I just don't get it. I get the size, I get the speed, but really, aside from those two things, they're really nothing alike. Tavon wasn't a uh, a route running uh, type of guy the way you know Tutu Atwell is. Way better uh, as far as you know releasing off the line of scrimmage and accelerating out of his break, and actually you know, making those breaks, you know, like what I noticed with Tavon is he would round off his routes. Whereas I feel like Tutu is more precise on top of that. Tutu is not a body catcher with the football. Tavon would let it come into his body and he would snare the ball kind of like, you know, trap it. Whereas Tutu is trying to use his hands. He's a natural hands catcher. And I think he's just, he's a better, uh, you know, deep ball tracker, you know, Tavon, I, and I've said this before on this show, but I'll say it again. Tavon had all of the speed and explosiveness, and I loved him, right? I, I really loved him coming out. But the problem is the things that allow you to go from, you know, gadget guy uh, to then, you know, becoming a elite gadget guy or becoming an actual piece in an offense, Austin did not have those things. You know, the the little nuances, the attention to detail in his game. I'm not saying Tutu 100% has that yet, but he's shown signs that he's going to be more likely a better role. He's going to be a better fit and a better player moving forward, I think. It also doesn't help uh, when Jeff Fisher's your head coach. That's true. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um this to kind of bring it back to Cooper Cup a little bit, you know, I, I you know, we, we have we have him and Sat and Stafford now for the next five years locked up together. You know, last year was their first year together, and I feel like they they were just kind of still scratching the surface on what they can do. I think we, we kind of saw, you know, the potential even more of the potential in the playoffs. So, Jake, you know, I, I'm not expecting a triple crown every single year for Cooper Cup, and um, but what do you think the kind of the ceiling is for these two players? I mean, last year was just their first year together, so you have to kind of I think assume that they're going to build on that and get, I think, even better moving forward. Well, it's interesting, Blaine, because, you know, I think of it in terms of last year uh, when we saw right off the bat 
the connection Stafford and Cup had right out of the gates was just different, right? Because, you know, coming into the season, I thought it was going to be more Woods-driven, right? I thought Robert Woods was going to take off. But really what they decided to do is use Robert Woods to scheme Cup open. Robert Woods would set the rubs and Cup would get open because Cup and Stafford had that connection. And McVay saw that, and even Robert Woods saw that. And so while he wanted to be involved, he also understood what McVay was trying to do. And so, you know, obviously, I've said it before, Stafford can play with anyone. I mean, it's a tight ball game back in Detroit. They're actually playing in Tennessee. I'll never forget it. He throws a seam buster 50 yards down the field to the third string tight end, uh, Hunter Bryant. Like, you know, this is Stafford. He'll throw to anybody. But there was just a rare connection that I had not seen between Stafford and a player since Calvin Johnson when him and Cooper Cup started meshing. And so because of that, you know, you, you talk about, you know, just using Robert Woods and those guys to open up opportunities for Cup. And then, you know, uh, Robert Woods goes down. You know, Odell has his, you know, has his moments of trying to learn the playbook. And I think as crazy as it sounds, because it's not trying to dumb down what Cup did, but it gave him more targets than what I think he's going to have this year. And so I think they're probably going to hold the ball more. I think, uh, you know, Stafford is going to throw more touchdowns, more yards. I think he's going to be better in year two. But I don't think Cup is going... I think he's reached his ceiling in a sense of like, I don't know if he's ever going to go by that. And because of the addition of Allen Robinson, that tells me they're, they're changing. They're shifting more, you know, towards a, a more pass happy instead of balanced offensive approach. And so for that reason, I see those guys around, you know, Cooper cups probably looking at 1600 yards. And so is Allen Robinson. Like I could see both of those guys being around the same total, um, instead of one guy just dominating. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Because, like, for me, that's how I took it. That's why I don't know if Van Jefferson's going to go over to 1,000 yards because the addition of Allen Robinson, um, because they kind of step on each other's toes a little bit. Allen Robinson isn't the speedster Van is over the top, but, you know, what Van doesn't do well, Allen Robinson does well um, as far as going up and high-pointing the football and just – you know, Stafford's a gunslinger. He's going to throw it up there, and he wants you to go get it. And we saw in the Super Bowl, Van simply didn't do that, you know, and, and so it you know resulted in a Jesse Bates interception. So that those are the things that I think Allen, having Allen Robinson is going to help, you know, tremendously. And I also think it's going to make it so it's not really wide receiver one and wide receiver two. I think Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup are going to be on the same wavelength this year. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that, um, like you said, I think Cooper Cubs sort of reached his ceiling, and that's not a bad thing because the ceiling was probably the greatest wide receiver season of all time. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, like, while he may not hit those statistical numbers again, I don't necessarily that mean – Think that means he's had a worse season. I think. I think like. I think like, like you say. I think. I think last year, in a sense, he kind of benefited from being the guy. And now that Al Robinson is there, and they have just a a, a plethora of, of other weapons that will hopefully continue to develop. Um, his numbers are going to go down, but I, I don't think that necessarily means that. Uh, 
um, that he's that he's, he's, he's that he's having a worse season. Um, the ball's just going to be distributed around better, uh, distributed around more. And I mean, Stafford might, might still hit those statistical uh, milestones, but and Cup might not. But I, I just, I like I said, I just I don't think that necessarily means that Cup has fallen off or has had a worse season per se. I kind of see this wide receiver core right now as a group that if they were to go three or four wide, every single guy has a given assignment. Like Tutu Atwell, he's your speed and gadget guy. Van Jefferson, he's going to blow you over the top. Allen Robinson, he's going to be your 50-50 jump guy. Cooper Cup's your outrunner. If you get Odell, it's just adding on to whatever you need to for a specific situation. I think this year, kind of like with what Jake said, being a little bit more pass-happy, I think what we're trying to do offensively is we are getting, you know, we're not straying away from the run as much with us drafting Kyron Williams, but I think we're going to go into more of a, you know, have two guys in the backfield, Daryl Henderson and Kyron Williams, block so there's more time for Van over the top or something like that. But also I wanted to add one more thing with um, the Cooper Cup. What is he going to do next year? When we went on that three-game losing stretch, it was also during the same time as COVID when Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford weren't able to do their breakfast things. That When I got cut away, we struggled. So, you know, that, that was just a little something I pointed out. But we also were saying the same things last year with Mike Evans and Tom Brady or Mike Evans and Chris Godwin was these guys now um, – they're going to have an extra extra year under the Bruce Arian system. And everyone knows Bruce Arian system, that first year to throw a massive amount of interceptions. That second year, though, is usually a great season. I think it's going to be kind of like that. We might be overrating as like an entire fan base and a league fan base in general. That I mean, this connection is still going to be great. But these other guys here and now an entire year to, of tape of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup connections, it's going to go down a bit. But it's still going to be a great year for Cup. Um, you know, he's, he's Cooper Cup. He's the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's spot on. I, I think you know, um, I, I love how you brought up you know how these different wide receivers can do different things, and um, I think that's exactly kind of what McVay wants. He wants that variance in the passing game, and I, I, I think early, early early last year and even even even, even late, you know, we saw um, Rams going to much more of this five wide, this this empty set, and. It was early early in the season. It was just it was a, it was a cheat code. I mean, nobody could nobody could really stop it. And then um, in the middle of the year, they kind of kind of hit hit a speed bump, and then had to get kind of more um, more balanced and use run game a little, little bit more down the stretch. And they were able to do that. But I think having all these pieces now, they'll be able to get back to that empty and just kind of hit the easy button over and over and over again until somebody stops it. Um, and also, you know, you bring Kyron Williams and. Like like Jake uh, Jake your, your your breakdown was great you know just pointing out his his um ability in pass pro um, and Daryl Henderson is also really good in pass pro so uh, there's just the, I, this offense has potential I think to be really really, really scary next year because there's, there's so many pieces and they can all do very different things. You know it's weird because I had the kind of idea where if the Rams didn't get Kyron Williams because keep in mind they had to trade up to get him. I don't think they take a running back. I don't think there were a lot of running backs available that could pass protect. And I think there's a genuine concern with Cam Akers' lack of pass protection ability. I mean, it was so bad that 
I mean, he blocked, and I understand he's coming back from the injury and all that, but I mean, he, he blocked Andrew Whitworth out of a play. That could have been huge. You know what I mean? Like, that was just a sack, but what if it was a strip sack? You know what I mean? Like, that's a Super Bowl. And so I think Daryl Henderson, you know, Blaine, you know, Logan, I've talked about it so many times. I mean, I'm sure you know, and you've watched the games. But I think people just kind of look at Daryl Henderson. They're like, oh, he's 5'8", so he can't pass protect. And it's like people forget, like, Marshall Falk is one of the greatest pass protectors at the running back spot of all time. And he was 5'10". So, like, I don't know why everyone acts like you have to be six foot three because I can tell you right now, Brandon Jacobs was, like, 6'3", 260, but he couldn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, he, he was just a giant ball of really nothing. I mean, he wasn't overly, uh, you know, powerful, overly explosive, would get brought down on arm tackles. Size is not everything. Size is not a skill. And so, you know, you look at Kyra Williams' tape, and I'm just, you know, I think immediately – you know, thinking about it now, um, or really not immediately, but, you know, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, Kyron Williams, I don't think the Rams, and I mean, I want to get your thoughts on it, but I don't think the Rams draft a running back if Kyron Williams isn't there uh, at that pick, 164. I think they signed one. I mean, I think they were going after a running back regardless. But kind of pigeoning off of what you said with size when it comes to blocking, like, people shouldn't think that a big guy is going to block well. It doesn't matter if he's 6'3", because if he can't get low enough, it's not going to matter. It, that entire offensive versus defensive line is a game of leverage, and it's how low you can get, how low can you get. So having a smaller guy that's, you know, Daryl Henderson, 5'7", you know, that's actually better. And he's a bigger built guy, so it's going to be harder for guys to get past him because he's able to get lower. He's able to use his size to his advantage. And then he's also able to kind of get through, not really break through the first tackle. We've kind of seen that, but he's able to kind of push the pilot just a little bit if he needs to, because he's a bigger build. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's something I know I seem like I bag on Cam Akers about all the time, and I know I do, but it's only because I expect greatness from a guy that was drafted in the second round and has the prototypical size to be a top five back in this league. I mean, he's got the skill set. So it's not necessarily me being a hater. It's more so me expecting more and wanting more out of a guy that they spent a second round pick on. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I'd like to see more. And, and here's the thing, you know, to play devil's advocate here on the side of Cam Akers, I would also say, look, Cam Akers suffered a traumatic injury and he could have, for all we know, he could have had plans all off season to be working on his pass protection and do that and get better. But because of that injury, he now had to spend that whole off season rehabbing. And then when he started to come back in the postseason, he is coming back without working on anything. He's just him, you know? So this I want to see him improve this year. That's what I'll say, because I think he's got an opportunity to be really freaking good if he can get better in that area. Yeah, I, I mean, just kind of going off of that situ- situation last year, I mean, he's coming in when all these guys have had a full season of, you know, getting getting hit, you know, working work, working into the offense and stuff, and, he, and he's jumping right in there in week 17, and... um 
I, I think I think that was really difficult for. Is, I think that's really difficult for any player, let alone somebody in his second year. Um, I don't know if you guys listened to the I Am Athlete podcast, but Aaron Donald even kind of talked about it um, when he held out in 2017. That you know, coming back that coming back to that first game, I mean, having having not been in training camp, it was just it was just so much different. Um, I mean, you can be in shape, but are you in are you in a football shape? And I, I think that's kind of where Cam Akers was at the end of last year. And so I think having this full off season to um, to get involved in the offense early, early, earlier, I think it will be really beneficial for him. And I, I do expect him to, to expect him to take the next step. Uh, but like, like like you said, Jake, like, I think he has to prove it. This is going to be a big year for Cam Akers, especially. You know, Darrell Henderson's on a contract year, I believe, and then Kyron Williams is right there too. So I, I, I think I think it's very possible. You know, if, if Cam Akers doesn't take the next step, this could very well be Kyron Williams' backfield. I agree. I've been saying it. I've I've kind of prepared myself for that possibility. Um, I mean, again, we also talked about it, and you brought up you know a ton of metrics to support it. Guys that had that injury don't really come back being the same. Honestly, I don't think any of them did. Is that that's correct, right? For the the metric that you showed me. Um. Yes, I think um, Marlon Mack. I think had an all right year last year, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, it was I, pretty I, dead. Like he he's no longer even like you wouldn't even look at him to be a, a two. He he's like a three. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, just, it's 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 very it's very rare, even for the elite athletes, to come back from that from that kind of from that kind of in, from in, from that kind of injury. But like at the same time, the guys on that list, like a lot of them weren't really didn't have the same athletic profile that Akers did. So I, I think he's kind of an interesting case and some definitely somebody to keep an eye on over these next two years. Oh, I definitely agree, and um, you know, I think. Just looking at the offense, um, I wanted to kind of mention this, you know, with Liam Cohen, you know, taking over as the new offensive coordinator. And from the way it sounds is that Sean McVay, of course, is going to call plays still, um, although he is kind of getting himself ready to, I think, overturn that. And I think he's going to the first guy he's going to start letting call plays and telling you right now, I think it's going to be Thomas Brown if he doesn't end up becoming a head coach, um, because, you know, he moved him to the tight ends co- uh, coach spot because he wanted him to learn the offense more and how it works and so um he felt like you know Sean McVay sees him as a candidate and feels like he needs fine-tuning then I gotta agree with Sean McVay and I gotta say this is probably the smart decision but when you look at uh Liam Cohen here you know he goes to Kentucky he comes back now he's the OC and he's gonna have more I think more control than people expected and furthermore I'll say this if you go back and you watch the way, you know, he was using guys like Wandale Robinson, that's how I could totally see, you know, the the Rams using um, Tutu Atwell. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, honestly, like, I, I, I think, like, Sean McVay calling plays, and this is Sean McVay's offense, and Sean McVay has full control of the offense. I think that's really overblown. I mean, we, we, we've seen Zach Taylor get a, get a head coaching job really early. Um, God, why, why is why is his name drawing a blank on me all of a sudden? Uh, the Vikings coach. Why can't I think of his name? Um, uh, shoot. <laughs> uh, Kevin O'Connell. That's so dumb. Brain fart. Uh, Kevin O'Connell. You know he gets a he gets a head coach really early. You know I, I don't think these guys would get head, co- head coaching jobs as early if they didn't have some say and some control in the offense. 
Um, but I, 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 I do think, you know, Liam Cohen having that experience at Kentucky, I, I, I could see McVay giving him some more, some more responsibilities. And I, I do agree, Jake, but, you know, if there's a guy that's probably going to take over play calling, it might, it, like Thomas Brown is a great, a great candidate for that. But um, I think, I think that these offensive coordinators are more than just figures. And I think they have more responsibilities than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, I definitely do. I agree with that as well. Um, I don't want to keep you all night, Blaine. I know I told you it'd be like about 30 minutes. Uh, how would you like to, to wrap this thing up? I'll give you the reins. Oh, man. Um, all right. Um, what do you think is over, over the last 40 hours we've seen the, the, the Rams the Rams make make some moves? Um, I, I don't think we really hit Tra- Traven Howard a little bit. So, I just you know I, I think Jake Hummel is a very underrated uh, undrafted free agent and somebody that um, could make some noise. I, I, I think he texted me right away like Jake Jake Hummel Jake Hummel stock up. So uh, did you want do you want to touch on Jake Hummel really quick and um, if, uh, hopefully we're gonna have someone Traven Howard back on a, on a smaller deal to make the money work. But if not, um, yeah, I think Jake Jake Hummel's the guy to highlight. I agree. Um, I know you know you're somebody that that highlighted. Uh, Roseboom when the, the Rams got him. And, you know, I think to an extent, that's definitely somebody you can't just forget about. But, you know, Jake Hummel feels like he's got more upside. Um, he, he's less special teams and more like this guy could groom into a, a future starter someday. And, you know, you laugh and all that, but this is the Rams. I mean, sixth round pick Jordan Fuller becomes a captain in year two. You know, this is the Rams where Traven Howard is still on the roster and gets waived today uh, being a seventh-round pick. You know, this is the Rams where Sebastian Joseph Day goes from sixth-round guy out of Rutgers, uh, you know, as just like a run defender, uh, rotational guy at best, to now, oh, my God, he's now a, like a key loss in the offseason. That is the team that we're talking about. So it's not crazy to assume that a guy like Jake Cummel could end up overtaking a guy like Bobby Wagner at the end of his career. You know what I mean? So um, I think Hummel has pretty much, he's an intense guy, you know, very like the intensity he plays with, you know, he's somebody that I think he shows you great pursuit. Um, But I think what people really want to see is this guy make open field tackles. And that's something I think I saw at least um, on film that he exhibited but here's the thing with Hummel, is, and this is why he went undrafted. It's really the size, right? And, and I mean, you, you guys know I don't care about the size. And I think 6'1", you know, 235 is fine. But, I mean, the guy ran a 4'5". You know, he's, he's athletic. And I think he's a better coverage linebacker than giving credit for. Yeah, he's maybe not the greatest blitzing linebacker. But I think he offers a decent amount. And I think with the coaching that the Rams have, I think they're going to be able to tap into him. And he's, I already had him 100% making the roster before, uh, you know, Trayvon Howard move. Now, I mean, it's just solidified at this point. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with, with, with all that. You know, I, I like he, he's not going in as the linebacker one or two. Like, the Rams still have Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones, and they'll be taking the majority of the snaps. But as a guy who can develop and maybe play, a couple snaps here and there um, as, as, a, as a rookie. I, I think he's perfect for that. He's, like you said, he's extremely athletic. He's not like Troy Reader where he's going to get beaten, beat, doesn't get completely um, outmatched in coverage. Uh, he has speed. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I really do like him, and I think he's going to be one of those undrafted free agent linebackers that the Ravens have um, developed in the past, like uh, Corey Littleton, for example. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do, and I, I think this is a great opportunity for him. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. I, I do too. Uh, Logan, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Uh, yeah, um, kind of just, I know this might be something, and this has kind of been sitting on my mind since been in this room. Um, I think that with the mix of everything that's going on, the past two big selection running backs for the Rams having injuries, and then, you know, drafting guys later and picking up undrafted free agents, I think the Rams are starting to trend away from running backs in general. Kind of like, and I know you brought it up very early with the whole Patriots dynasty thing. You can't really name, like, besides Corey Dillon late in his career, there weren't that many, like, outstanding running backs for the Patriots that you can name. It was based off the tight ends and the wide receivers. It was kind of like an air raid offense, I guess, before it was, like, really thought of with, like, Randy Moss and stuff like that. I think the Rams are going to tr- – after this – after, like, so next year when Van Jefferson, Jordan Fuller, all those guys are free agents, I think Daryl Henderson walks this year, and I think Cam Akers walks next year. I think the Rams are starting to just completely transition away from all these running backs and kind of going for the late selection guys for them to either, you know, have a role in special teams like Jake Funk or have a pass blocker who can sometimes run the ball if he needs to in Kyron Williams. I know it's kind of out there, but that's... That's interesting. Um, I mean, I think the league is also somewhat going in that direction. Like, unless you have a Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry... You're probably not bringing – I mean, at this point, you look at Christian McCaffrey and how great of a talent he is. Um, he's never healthy, you know? And so it's like, are you going to pay that? I, I don't think so. And I also think the Rams have experienced, uh, you know, Todd Gurley firsthand, the cautionary tale of Todd Gurley, you know? And I think it just – what it comes down to is that I, I'm noticing now because I just started covering the Jets. I'm noticing it with the Jets. Like, they go out and they get Brees Hall. They have Michael Carter. I mean – you know, back in the day, Michael Carter two, Michael Carter the second, is num- probably the number one back, and they're probably cool with it. But the way it is now is now all of a sudden you have Brees Hall, you have Michael Carter, you have um, Ty Johnson, you have Tevin Coleman, you have Austin Walter, you you uh, pick up Zonovan Knight, uh, you know, in uh, UDFA, and I just kind of feel like that's for whatever reason that's the way the league is starting to trend. Uh, if you don't have a top notch back, like. You guys know what I mean, right? Like, back in the day, like, Sean yeah. Green would be your starter for the Jets. And, you know, I just feel like that that's kind of, you know, where we're at at this point, is that now it's either have a top-notch guy or you have a bunch of guys. It, there's not really, you know, like, Michael Carter the second probably would have been fine on most teams in the league, but the Jets were like, well, he's not Jonathan Taylor. You know, well, he's not Derrick Henry, so we're gonna go get Brees Hall. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with like a mix of both your points. I think that Jake, I think you're 100 percent right. Where when you say that you know the league is trending in this direction, where you kind of need two running backs, and I think the Rams kind of realized that last year. You kind of need 
two two running backs. They they got really 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 thin at the running back position last year because of all the injuries that they faced. When they really um, they, they 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 had Cam Akers and he got hurt really early in camp and um, Drell Henderson was he was injured then he wasn't injured then he then he, then he wasn't injured again he was just he he was just not, not never consistently on the field um, so, so uh, you know they they had to resort to other guys and um, you know I, I also I don't necessarily think we're for our undervaluing the running back position, I guess, and going towards the drafting of these guys late because, you know, they, they, they traded a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick last year for Sony Michelle. I mean, it, it, when you look at the, the, the draft cap all the Rams have, that's giving up, I think, a lot for a guy that might have gotten cut anyway. Um, and then they and then they still draft uh, Kyron Williams. So, I mean, technically in last year's draft, they took two running backs. Um, so, I... I, I I, I, I would hope that they're kind of kind of learning and kind of maybe going to start start targeting those those later guys and getting a couple of them, but I don't know if they're fully there yet. And honestly, with this draft, I think I would have preferred picking late. The fact that these guys fell—I mean, you know—obviously, my thoughts on Kyron Williams, but my thoughts on Pierre Strong, my thoughts on Jerome Ford. I mean, these guys were drafted in the fourth and fifth round. Like, Jerome Ford went to the Browns. The Browns already have Kareem Hunt. They already have Big Chubb. They already have, uh, you know, I forget the guy's name, Johnson. Um, you know, they didn't need him. But this is what the league is becoming. I mean, the league's full of starting caliber running backs. It's just, you know, it's it's that position, man, you know. I mean, look at C- uh, Seattle. I mean, they, they spent a first-round pick on uh, Rashad Penny when they already had Chris Carson, then Rashad Penny finally comes into his own this year, and they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to draft uh, Kenneth Walker in the second round. I don't think Seattle knows what they're doing. I'm just being frankly honest. I don't trust Seattle when it comes to running backs. They, they, they've messed up running backs ever since, what was it, 2014? I will say this. I think Seattle, and Blaine probably disagrees with me, but I think Seattle is on the cusp of turning it around. I don't think it turning the ship around. I'm not saying that they're going to, you know, all of a sudden become this star team. Um, but I think that they're making the, the little adjustments that's going to put them on the path to, you know, figuring out themselves. I think I would rather be in Seattle's boat right now than Arizona's because I don't know what's going on with Arizona. I don't trust Arizona. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think Seattle's got a lot of talent and, Really, what it is is just a matter of protecting the quarterback. And hell, you know, Drew Locke, we don't know. We, we really don't know. I mean, I don't think Denver really gave him much of an opportunity to really be the guy. He was always kind of looking over his shoulder. So the fact they didn't draft anyone, you know, I, I don't know, man. Um, not saying if Baker gets cut that they wouldn't just go and make Baker their starter, but. I'm not out on Drew Locke being a decent quarterback. He's not I would, I, a franchise. I, 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 I wouldn't rule out them starting Geno Smith, to be honest. I, I, he's, yeah, he, has more, he has more experience in that in that, in that offense. And um, I, I could see Pete Carroll going with his guy. Like I, I, could, I could see Pete Carroll doing exactly what Big Fangio did and going the safer route with Geno Smith, somebody who – Knows the offense and isn't going to throw. Uh, he's, he's, he's a Teddy. He's a Teddy Bridgewater. He's a, he's a safer option than 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 than, than Ben Jerlock. So 
I, I didn't watch Geno Smith either. Um, I, I think Seattle's an interesting team. I think they're a four to five win team, and I will be in position to get a top quarterback next year, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, yeah. Also, they'll be in possession to get uh, one of the best quarterbacks uh, coming out. You know, <laughs> Geno Smith That's is the way also it works out. First team, first team reps over Drew Locke. So I don't, you know, I. I was a Drew Locke fan for those final four weeks or whatever it was of his rookie season, and then that just completely died off on its own train. Um, I I want to know your timeline, Jake, on when you say Seattle is turning the ship around. Because for me, I think that they need to – if they don't fully embrace the rebuild, then they're just going to be stuck in mediocrity for the next 10 to 15 years. So I'm curious on what you mean by turning the ship. Well, they, they kind of are, you know, embracing a little bit of a rebuild um, while trying to compete. You know, they're not a full-on rebuild team, and they shouldn't be. They have plenty of talent, you know, you can win with. Um, but I, I think when you look at Seattle, uh, I don't think I don't think Arizona's roster is that much better than Seattle. The big thing is they have the quarterback. But th- that's kind of, you know, what I've been, you know, leaning towards is that Everyone is so quick to be like, oh, Arizona, it's Arizona's time. We rushed Arizona last year, and Cliff Kingsbury has shown you no ability to get past, uh, you know, really anything towards the end of the season. And Kyler Murray hasn't shown you the ability to play a full NFL season. And I just I can't trust that team. Plus, they looked really bad without DeAndre Hopkins. And they're going to be without him for, what, seven weeks? So I just kind of feel like don't be surprised if, Seattle ends up being uh, the third team in the NFC West. And that could be like seven or eight wins, uh, maybe even nine wins. But I don't think they're going to be like, a, you know, a double digit win team. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they somehow, you know, really grinded out some wins. And they were the team that just really you didn't want to face because they just they grind and, and they're a hard team to take down. Uh, similar to like the Jeff Fisher Rams is that. You may win every time, but they're going to give you a fight every single game. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of my thoughts on on Seattle. And, uh, again, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could come down the pike. They could trade Tyler Lockett. They could trade DK Metcalf. I mean, I I don't know. But as of right now, based on the roster that I see, um, they just seem like a team that is going to compete this year, but also has the right idea to kind of have a, a mini rebuild also on the side. I mean, if they're able to pull it off, then congrats to them. I just think neither of the – no quarterback on that roster I trust, unless, you know, Baker Mayfield comes in. I think he has, like, adding on to what you said, like trying to grit out a win. I think he's the perfect quarterback for that. I don't trust him any other way. Um I, you know, I like Arizona just a bit more because I think Marquise Brown and Kyler Murray could be a good connection for those six weeks. Um, and then I think Rondale Moore could be really, really nice having a second year with Kyler Murray in that offense. But also, you know, I my mom, she's got a really close friend that's a big Cardinals fan. And, you know, obviously I'm going to talk as much crap as I can when with him and the one thing that I always brought up every single time is Cliff Kingsbury once if you split the season in half he has a winning record at the start of pretty much every single season and that back half of the season it's always a losing record 
or at 500. Is he has never had a winning record at the end of a season. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, not to talk too much about Seattle, but I think this year we're going to learn a lot about Pete Carroll. Uh, I, I think we're going to learn whether or not the NFL has passed him, or whether he, or whether or not he's still a top ten NFL head coach. Um, I mean, in, in the, at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of his career, I mean that that team. Not beginning of his career, but beginning of his time in Seattle, that team made the play, scrapped their way into the playoffs at seven at seven and nine with, and got a playoff win with Charlie Whitehurst at quarterback. Like that, exactly. that, that, that like, like we, we, we that, that, but, but that was also what like ten plus years ago. Like Pete Carroll's made some very questionable um, decisions in game in, in these last couple 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 of years, where it's kind of seemed like the NFL is passing by a little bit. Um, but I think this year where, again, like, he's not going to have Russell Wilson to kind of lean back on and fall back on. We're going to learn about, all about, you know, is, is he still a top 10 NFL head coach? Yeah, you know, I don't think he's top 10 anymore. Um, but I do think he's definitely top 15, um, mainly because the league is just full of, like, you know, these brand-new coaches or young coaches that haven't proven anything. And uh, d- um, don't, don't rate PFF because they, they have Cliff, Cliff Klingsbury as their number four head coach. Oh, oh I, was about, <laughs> I was about to say. About yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, any list that doesn't have Sean McVay, in the, at least the top ten is not a correct list, and that's just a fact. So I mean, I'd say at least <laughs> the top five. I don't know I, how you argue that he's not top five. I, I, argue, I would say he's the best coach in the league. I mean, like – I think maybe Mike Tomlin would be up there, but otherwise, I think it's Sean McVay. Like, I think the no three, the three are uh, McVay, Belichick, and Tomlin in any order you can put them in. But they are the three, in my opinion, that run the league. I think John Harbaugh definitely deserves recognition. I think Andy Reid does, but those would be my top three. Yeah, that, actually, that would be my top five in any order you put them in. <laughs> I, I would say the bottom five, the bottom of that five is Reed and Harbaugh in you know any particular order. Otherwise, yeah, top three. I think Bill Belichick. He, I would personally put him at three, just because he's a little bit older. He's made some questionable play calls as well, and some managerial uh, decisions that were kind of odd. Uh, I like. I think Tomlin is the most respected coach in the NFL. I mean, I don't think any person has said anything bad about him at all. But, you know, I'm going to put my bias ahead and put McVay at one and then Tomlin at two, even though it's interchangeable. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. I definitely wouldn't argue against that. I'm not going to argue against McVay. I think he's – ask Blaine. This was my hand-picked guy from 2016. And, Indeed uh, it was. And I, I was so – I was so hyped when they – made him the guy because I thought it was going to be Shanahan and it's not that I didn't really want Shanahan it's that I just wanted McVay that much more so I'm glad we got McVay over Shanahan still still can't forgive that guy for blowing a 28-3 lead against the Patriots I I am a diehard Patriots hater uh, for lack of a better phrase so glad he is not on this roster or coaching roster so yeah (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's going to do it. Um, you know, we covered a lot, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, I got to save my voice. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I have, like, the worst sore throat. So, uh, <laughs> blame the Rams. I didn't think I'd be recording three videos today or whatever. But, oh, jeez. Uh, 
But uh, but yeah, guys, it's been fun. Blaine, thanks so much for coming on to host with me. Logan, thanks so much for calling in. And uh, this is one of three this week because we didn't get our two last week. Uh, I typically just do two episodes a week. So the next episode will be on Friday. Um, and then the episode after that will be on Sunday this week, uh, Ram's Edge. And then, of course, all you MCU fans out there, uh, I know there's only 10 people live. I'm sure some of you like the MCU. Um, I have MCU Edge. Any one of you are welcome to join me at any given time every Monday um, at 930. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to all the other shows and uh, looking forward to this season. Man, can it get here quicker? <laughs> thanks. Yeah, uh, obviously looking forward to the season. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me, Jake. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having me on, Jake. Always fun. Always appreciate it. Always appreciate you, Logan. You guys take care. Enjoy your night. And I will uh, see you all real soon.